With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from deep in the Eublifaris galaxy, on a small planet called Gekonia, east of the albino hills and south of the raging leucistic river, comes the one, the only, Gecko Nation Radio. All right. Good evening. Good evening, everybody. Uh, this is Dave, your host, and I'm here with my co-host, Steve. How are you, Steve? Pretty good. How are you, Dave? Doing well. It's uh, November 19th, and it's 8 p.m. on Tuesday, and we have a very special guest tonight. We have Andrew Wyatt of Herp Alliance, formerly of U.S. ARC, and it's an honor to have him with us tonight. Um, we're going to be talking about... Um, advocacy and threats to our hobby and basically what Andrew's doing and what he's done in the past uh, to, to help uh, our community and the industry. Um, before we get started, though, I just want to thank our sponsors for sponsoring our show and check out this quick plug, everybody. Gecko Nation Radio is a David's Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. Gecko Nation Radio is sponsored by Dale's Bearded Dragons is your one-stop source for any reptile supply products that you may need from Exoterra, Zoomed, Rapashi, Repcal, Fluker, and much, much more. And all at 20 to 50% cheaper than your local pet store or big chain pet store. They are also the biggest reptile supply distributor at most of the Northeast Expos. Contact them directly online at dalesbeardeddragons.com or message me on Facebook and I'll put you in touch with the owner. Gecko Boa Reptiles is your source for the highest quality leopard gecko morphs and wild types, from white and yellows to radars, amazing tremper morphs, and rare subspecies. John is a world-class breeder and extremely knowledgeable. If you're looking for something truly special in geckos, contact John Scarborough at geckoboa.com and on Facebook. ABDragons.com is your source for the highest quality doobie roaches, whether you're starting a colony of your own or just need feeders for your insect-eating herps. ABDragons.com can't be beat in quality or price. They are also a huge distributor of FlexWatt reptile heat tape and have very competitive pricing. Check out ABDragons.com online and on Facebook. Razor Sharp Reptiles. Like the name suggests, Jamie Carnes has some sharp gecko and snake projects in the works. He is very well known for his work with rare species, such as cave geckos, but also has some of the prettiest radar projects I've ever seen. Razor Sharp Reptiles is also known for high-end fantails and beautiful rainwater leopard gecko morph projects. Check out RazorSharpReptiles.com online and on Facebook. And if you're looking for quality food for your dubia roaches, crickets, mealworms, and superworms, look no further than MS2 Premium Insect Chow. 
Made with reptiles in mind, it contains no dog food, cat food, or chicken mash. Using only vegetable proteins and high-quality ingredients, MS2 Premium Insect Chow will have your feeders making a beeline for it. Contact ms2ent.weebly.com or it can also be purchased at Rainbow Mealworms and AB Dragons. Okay, everybody, we are back. I just want to thank everybody that's in the chat room and everybody that will be downloading this show in the future. This is going to be a pretty important episode of Gecko Nation Radio, and I'm not going to waste any more time. So let's bring on our distinguished guest, Andrew Wyatt. Andrew, you're live on Gecko Nation Radio. All right. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Steve. Uh, appreciate you all having me in tonight. Oh, thank, thank you, you very much for coming on. It's an honor to have you with us. Um, Andrew, why don't you, if you don't mind, for people that don't know who you are, um, why don't you take a minute to, to tell people who you are and for people that will be downloading this episode in the future. Um, well, for about, uh, for, for about 10 years, I served as the uh, CEO of the of, uh, uh, trade association that represents um, the, the herpes culture industry. It started off at the state level and, uh, and then it morphed into a national organization. Um, but that's what I've been doing for, that's what I did for about nine, a little over nine years. Uh, now I work for a uh, private consulting firm on Capitol Hill, and I do uh, government affairs, um, business um uh, uh, branding uh, and consulting uh, uh, in D.C. on Capitol Hill. Awesome. Um, we spoke earlier before the show, and uh, you mentioned um, something about Herp Alliance, and uh, I, I got a little nervous when you told me what you said. But um, So is, is it true that the Herp Alliance won't be uh, doing advocacy? That's exactly what you what you meant? Yeah, well, we won't be doing a whole lot of it um, anyway. And, you know, for those of you don't, that don't know, uh, the U.S. Herpeticulture Alliance, or as we affectionately call the, the Herp Alliance, um, is a uh, nonprofit organization uh, that has been um, working in advocacy, conservation, and education. Um, we're going to um, be backing off the the advocacy side of it uh, quite a bit and uh, focusing more on conservation and education. And quite frankly, the reason is is uh, because of the money. It's incredibly expensive, and um, we have not been able to uh, raise enough money to, to keep a first-class, uh, you know, uh, D.C. advocacy going. And uh, I, I sunk about uh, $20,000 of my own money into it, and uh, a number of other people sunk uh, that much or more into it. And we were able to get through the, the major hurdles that were thrown at us this year, um, but it's just uh, the, the money isn't there to continue to do it. Wow. i got to tell you, Wow. I can imagine. It costs about to run a shoestring um, uh, DC operation costs about ten thousand dollars a month 
and um, you know there is just not uh, the we're just not bringing in that kind of money. Oh man, you know it kind of makes me feel like the shields are down. You know, yeah, in a way they are. In a way they are. Well. What, um, one of my questions the, uh, the, uh, the other gonna... trade associations are going to have to step up to the plate you know and uh, we'll see if they will well I mean just over the wow. last year it, it's been obvious that you know Herp Alliance has been the most effective uh, defense against things and um, it just causes me a lot of concern you know to hear that from you know, I, well I mean, that is what it is. You know, money is everything today. It's it's, it's unfortunate that it takes money to do these things. Um, do you see? Can you can you tell us? Like, can you make any predictions what what may happen in the future? Because a lot of my questions tonight were about uh, CADEX and some of the other threats to our to our lifestyle, our passion, our hobby, whatever you want to call it. It's 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 so much to all of us. Um, well, I think right now it's so, under uh, it's under major threat. The uh, the industry is. Uh, pretty much in chaos. Um, uh, there's, uh, you know, not too many people out there that seem to have any idea of um, what to do. And I think that, um, especially at the state level, it is going to be a really tough year in 2014. I think that uh, the Humane Society of the United States uh, knows that the industry is in disarray and that they're going to press their advantage um, this year big time. So we'll see. But uh, expect um, uh, bills in uh, uh, Virginia, West Virginia, South Carolina, uh, Pennsylvania, Illinois, uh, quite possibly uh, Missouri, and um, quite possibly Wisconsin. Okay. Wow. And then wow. at the at the federal level, I think that um, that the work we did at uh, the Herp Alliance in um, addressing the the categorical exclusion or the or the the name we coined Cat X, which was basically um, um, an effort for by U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service to remove all the due process hurdles in listing animals on the injurious wildlife list of the Lacey Act. So they basically give them a free hand to do exactly what happened to Burmese pythons and the other snakes um, you know, a couple of years ago and add them to the injurious list uh, of the Lacey Act. Uh, I think that the work we did in um, getting a lot of profile uh, on the issue, we got it up in front of the House Natural Resources Committee. We got it in front of the the, the uh, uh, Senate Environmental and Public Works Committee, um, and we got it in front of the uh, Small Business Administration. And uh, they all wrote strong letters uh, opposing categorical uh, exclusion, CADEX. Um, and then, of course, there was the uh, the hearing uh, at House Natural Resources uh, on it. So I think that that it got enough attention that it is probably not going to go anywhere. So, you know, the biggest fear was that uh, all the amphibians would go down because the reason the reason U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service 
wanted categorical exclusion was because they have already had an injurious listing for all amphibians queued up. So they were going to basically add all amphibians to the injurious wildlife list to the Lacey Act. And that process got started a couple years ago. The problem was mm -hmm. the amount of work that would have to be done, the amount of due process, the amount of science that would have to be done to list thousands of species of amphibians all at once was more than they were going to be able to do. So the only way they were going to be able to do a mass listing like that was to get a categorical exclusion so that that would remove uh, all the, the necessity of going through the due process and the science. And mm -hmm. uh, so, so probably uh, the, that listing on the amphibians will not go down as a result. So that's, that's good news at the federal level. Um, mm -hmm. Not so good news at the federal level is I think that um, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is going to go forward and add more snakes to the injurious wildlife list. Um, the, and the, the rest of the snakes that, were, that they were, had already proposed for the list. For those of you that followed it, they originally proposed nine snakes. They only listed four. And then the, but they said the other five were still under consideration. And um, so uh, the, the rumor has been that they are going to list the other five. In fact, it's more than rumor. We confirmed it with U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service uh, back in, oh, I guess it was March uh, of this year. And um, so that they are going to go forward with a finalized uh, list. And uh, so I think that uh, a number more snakes are going to be added to the injurious list. Uh, we'll just hope that boa constrictor is not one of them because that is on the list. And, and ball pythons isn't on that list yet, right? No, ball pythons are not on that list. Mm-hmm. Now, this, but this if, you make the, is... if you can make the case for boas, if you can make the case for for boas and Burmese, then bo then ball mm -hmm. pythons are a lock because they're uh, they're they're there's many times more being brought into the country every day than any of those other snakes. Mm -hmm. Right. If it's well, you know, it makes me so nervous, Andrew. This this whole thing. Um, oh man, I tell you, I'm kind of like. I'm kind of like speechless to tell you the truth right now. <laughs> well, you know, the problem, a, the problem ahead, with this federal stuff is that, is that, you know, every other interest that, that gets pushed around by a federal agency um, will stand up for itself. And, you know, in a case like this where they're trying to, to uh, push a, a, a listing that they have not done all their due diligence and due process on and, and have fudged left and right, you know, most industries would file a lawsuit. And that's, you know, before I left uh, U.S. Art for philosophical differences, I wanted to file a lawsuit against U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, knowing that if we mm -hmm. didn't, they would just be emboldened by the fact that we were not capable of defending ourselves because that's the way stuff gets done in Washington is by lawsuit. And uh, so I wanted to file a lawsuit um, and, uh, and try and overturn the listing on Burmese python, the African python, and, 
yellow anaconda and uh, uh, both the both the African pythons and the yellow anaconda for for snakes. Burmese python, northern African python, southern African python, and yellow anaconda uh, got listed. I wanted to file a lawsuit to to overturn that. Um, not everybody agreed uh, that we should be in that business, um, but uh, I think it sets precedent, and I think that uh, that now U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service thinks that they can do whatever they want, and they don't have to suffer any consequences because nobody's going to hold them to account. Is there any any hope that I know I agree with you that the um, the industry is in disarray in a lot of aspects, and there's a lot of just fighting going on and just bad blood, it seems. And I believe the, the system is just putting pressure on people in every single direction. So that's going to basically facilitate a lot of these feelings towards, towards one another. And, you know, for whatever reasons, there's a lot of people that just won't and can't see eye to eye and, and see the big picture and um, come together for the greater good. Do you think it's possible that if these threats keep coming at us that, that we'd be able to come together, Andrew, and try to work together for the better betterment of, of all and, and just to protect would, the thing that so. we all care about? I would hope so. Um, you, you know, what, what I used to say was, you know, I would talk to all these people that say, well, I don't like them and I don't like them, you know, and if they're down with you, I'm not down with you, and yada, yada, yada. And I said, look, you know, everybody's in business out here. Everybody's in competition. That's going to breed a certain amount uh, of animosity and a, a competitive nature between these these groups, and then then these groups all have their followings, these cliques that follow them. You know, their little uh, groupies and stuff. And there, you know, there a lot of drama unfolds. The whole Facebook phenomena hasn't helped with all that. And so there's a lot of infighting and a lot of petty um, BS going on uh, all the time. But what I used to say was, you know, we got to come together for this one thing you know, to be able to, to, to save what we do, the big picture, you know what I mean? So that you can have the luxury, you're still in, so you can still be in business and you can have the luxury of hating those people over there that you don't like tomorrow. Because if right. we don't pull together and, um, and, and get some things done, you won't have that luxury because it's all going to be gone. Right. And I've seen a lot of just, I've seen, that same drama, you know, put towards you, and it's totally unnecessary. And, and it, you know, I always represent and I always stand behind people that I basically know are the good ones in this and the good guys. And, Andrew, I think it's a shame the way things, the way things have unfolded over the last couple of years. It's so, so unnecessary and so unfortunate. You know, I, I, I can tell just by your posts on Facebook and the type of person you are, that you are a positive person, you're into, you know, a lot of positive things in your life, and you're not the type of guy that's, you know, holding grudges, and I, I know you, I can just tell that you're the type of person that would just rather move forward and, and do the right thing, and, uh, you know, I, I and I, I have all, I'm in conflict with people, and I don't even know why they're in conflict with me, you know, I, it's like, it's weird. <laughs> I, I don't you understand. You know, I hear, I hear things about myself from people that I don't even know that I never knew, you know, they, they seem to know these people that I've never met in my life seem to know more about me um, than I do, you know, and, right. and they, they, they learn it on Facebook. 
So apparently Facebook has got a lot of information out there about me that I wasn't even aware of. And, oh my God. and there's people out there that know it. <laughs> And, just, and, uh, and 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 how do you argue? And how, how do you argue with that? You know, I mean, if, you can't. It's, it's crazy. You can't. It's just you can't. You know, the more you engage in it, the more you feed it. You know, so you just got to ignore it. Well, it seems to me also, Andrew. And if I didn't know any better, Steve, please feel free to jump in at any time. Okay. Um, All right. I, if I didn't know any better, I I would say that there is an effort underway to divide and conquer us and. You know, maybe it is, maybe there is there are trolls in our networks that are deliberately causing trouble between us. But I don't know if there needs to be either because I think we cause trouble between ourselves anyway. Like you yeah. said, I, but, I think it's the latter. Know. I don't think there's any kind of uh, uh, you know outside conspiracy at work here. I think that um, we are doing a good enough job uh, by ourselves on ourselves uh, to to keep us in a pretty dysfunctional state. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think any outside uh, uh, interests uh, need to have, you know, uh, to any kind of a, uh, a conspiratorial scheme to take us down because we're doing a pretty good job of it ourselves. Oh, isn't that terrible? And, you know, I always say to people, if we lose this, then we deserve to lose it because we didn't fight for it and we didn't do what we needed to do to protect it. And, right. uh, you know... Well, the thing is, the thing is, a lot of people don't know what. To, most people don't know what to do to protect it. Even those that are claiming to be the the champions of the industry have absolutely no idea what to do to protect the industry. Mm-hmm. Absolutely none. That's the scariest part. That's the scariest part. <laughs> and when and when and when you told me that you know Herp Alliance was was not going to be doing what it's known to do and what it's done over the last year, I my heart just sank to my feet. And, you know, I want to have faith in, in others. I really do. I, I just I just think that you are such an important part of things. And is, do you think that there's any any way in the future that, that, you know, I don't even know how to word this properly. Do you think there's any way that there could be a reconciliation at some point? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I, you, know you would you would you would like to believe that um, uh, people would be smart enough and self-interested enough uh, to do what it takes to protect the industry. Like I said, so everybody can hate each other tomorrow. So we can all have the luxury mm-hmm. of hating each other tomorrow if we want to, <laughs> you know. But I don't think that. Uh, I just don't see. Um, I don't see that happening right now. Uh, you know, so who knows? Right. But I know people are du- people are dug in. They've uh, they're they're invested. They've invested their uh, their egos and their reputations and their positions. And, um, that's more important to them uh, right now than the survivability of the in- industry. And you got to understand too. A lot of the biggest money in this thing is uh, is directed towards a very narrow piece of the industry, and um, so uh, you know they don't really care what happens outside of that. So the uh, what could very well happen is we end up with a very um, uh, limited amount of, of animals that we can work with. 
and um, the, the diversity of, of interest in the industry just dries up and disappears because, uh, um, you know, I think that uh, I think the animals that are well established as pet store pets are um, are going to uh, have a much easier time of it than than anything else. So if it can be imported cheaply into the United States for sale at bricks and mortar pet shops, or if it can be bred in a in a large mill type operation and produced cheaply for sale to bricks and mortar pet stores, then you're then the animals are probably fairly safe. If you don't fall into that narrow range, you may not be working with those animals in a couple of years the way things are looking right now. And, and Andrew, if that were to happen, say you have some exotic animals that you're breeding, exotic geckos from Australia or wherever, and you know, you've been working with them for 5, 10, 15 years, whatever it is, and this law or ban comes down, uh, what what happens? Uh, like, is, do well, you get to is, keep your animals? I mean, the, way this, just... the way this stuff has been working is they're working toward they're using the the injurious wildlife list of the Lacey Act, which is right. if the animals get added to that, they do not. Um, it, it's not a ban on ownership. You can still own the animals, but what you can't mm-hmm. do is you can't trans you can't um, uh, import them and you can't transport them across state lines. And of course. For herpetoculture, most of us, you know, importation is not a big deal. Um, uh, but transport across state lines is a huge deal um, because then you can't um, sell your animals. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that, that's what the crusher is. You know, that's why, you know, Burmese pythons, you know, the market crashed on Burmese pythons, you know, because you couldn't sell them across state lines. And um, so what do you do with them? You know, you sell what you can in your state. You got to, you pretty much, it's like if I was a cattle rancher in New Mexico and I had, say, 100,000 head of cattle and all of a sudden a law was passed that said I could not sell those 100,000 head outside of the state of New Mexico. What happens to the value of my cattle? Am I going to want to invest more money in keeping them alive and taking care of them and providing them feed? You know, it starts to cause all kinds of problems. Then what happens to these animals? You know, if you can no longer afford to take care of them because the value has been removed and your prospect for recovering any of your investment has been removed, then what happens? So that's the kind of situations that, that we're going to be looking at with animals getting added to the injurious wildlife list. Oh man! There's a, there's, All right. a bill, there's a bill in Congress right now that would add almost everything to the injurious wildlife list of the Lacey Act. If it's not native to the United States um, and it's not traditional livestock and it's not traditional pets, then it's it's up to be added on the on the injurious wildlife list right now. Now I think the pet industry will work very hard to get a small number of animals on the accepted list, on the white list of, of that uh, bill, so that, uh, so that the, the animals being sold in bricks-and-mortar pet stores can continue to be uh, transported across state lines, imported, exported, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but for all the animals that don't make the accepted white list 
Everything else is de facto blacklist on the injurious wildlife list of the Lacey Act. Can't be uh, uh, imported or, tra- or transported across state lines. And it's a, that's a felony. And it's a felony for each state line you cross. Oh, my God. And this Lacey $10, Act is, is, is like 100. And, and prison time. <clears throat> yep. And, and this Lacey Act is, what, over 100 years old now? 113 years old. Yep. And it started out... I, wrote, I, it just, wrote a, I just wrote about the, the, uh, um, about the Lacey Act in um, uh, my blog uh, last mm-hmm. week. So, yep, um, I read, I read it. And I, yeah. I, it was about... What did it start with? It started with the, the bird feathers. Right, feathers in, in yeah. The, uh, the original the Lacey Act was was um, started to stop poachers um, because of uh, native birds, herons and egrets. Um, the the feathers, uh, the herons and egrets were being killed for their feathers because there was a big trade in women's hats at the time in the late 1800s and early 1900s, and they they needed these feathers for these hats. And it was, you know, just destroying populations of these birds. So they um, passed the, the Lacey Act in order to protect them and to keep you from being able to harvest birds in one state and transport them across state lines to sell them uh, in another. And that's how it all started. And then it's been amended and amended and amended. And now it's their one-size-fits-all answer to any wildlife question. The only thing that wow. it's not really, that, you know, is uh, is endangered species. There's a there's a separate act for the endangered species, but it's uh, it's kind of a uh, a one size fits all answer to wildlife questions. Hmm. You know, it takes about six attorneys I, I, to 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 sort it out. <laughs> oh my God! I know. Steve, why don't you go ahead and ask uh, some of your questions? Well, a lot of my questions were about advocacy, but um, what what can we do to prevent this legislation? Any legislation? Well, you're going to have uh, to become you're going to have to become your own advocates, and um, uh, because apparently the the trade associations are 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 more are are not don't really know a whole lot about advocacy. Um, and are not pr- promoting it or not teaching people how to do it, but you're going to have to become your own advocate. You're going to have to become your own advocate in your state, and you're going to have to be your own advocate at the federal level. And the way you do that is you start to develop a relationship with your uh, uh, your legislators. So you find out who your okay. state representatives are, you find out who your state senators are, and you find out who your, um, your federal uh, congressmen and senator senators are. And you start developing a, uh, a conversation with them. You, you write them, you call them, you let them know who you are, you let them know what your issues are, and you start to let them get acquainted with, with what you're doing. You know, this, this whole idea of, you know, uh, uh, advocacy only at crisis time, you know, when you don't have a relationship with your legislator, and you come in at the 11th hour begging uh, for a favor from him, and he doesn't know you from Adam, doesn't understand your business, you know, it makes it very difficult. 
So this is something that you've got to do over time. It's kind of advocacy 101. And, you know, it starts with you learning who your representatives are. That's number one. Number two, you're starting to establish a relationship. And that takes a little while because they've got a lot of people sending them letters and calling them and that kind of thing, you know. Um, And with your federal guys, when they come when they come back home on breaks and stuff, go down to and just introduce yourself. You don't have to necessarily have something important on the agenda, like there's some crisis pending. You just go in there and you have a talk with them. Hey, I'm the, the reptile guy. You know, these are the kinds of issues that I'm interested in. I want to make sure I can, you know, uh, transport animals across state lines. I'm like, you know, it's just non-traditional agriculture put it in terms that they can they can understand and and herpetoculture is a non-traditional type uh, of agriculture and they can understand that once you get get that word across to them the first time you say herpetoculture to a congressman or a senator their eyes are going to cross and at that <laughs> point you better say something funny otherwise you're going to lose them. <laughs> you know <laughs> Because that's yep. a mouthful, and they it. don't know what you're talking about. And when they don't feel like they know what you're talking about, you start to lose them. And one of the best ways to get mm-hmm. them back is to make them laugh. So always, I always turn herpetoculture into a joke. And, you know, because I always know they're like, herpeta what? <laughs> what are you talking about? You know, so, uh, so use a little humor and uh, have fun with it and, and, and equate it to something that they can understand, you know. Most of them do know what, say, um, uh, aquaculture is, you know, fish farming, you know. And so you just say herpetoculture, you know, and say it a few times so they can get wrap their mind around it. And it's, it's you know, it's reptile farming. And uh, so it's, it's not that complicated, but they need to understand what you do. And, um, and they need to be acquainted with you and they need to like you. And if you can start developing that, then when something does happen, you can call them up, and this isn't the first time they've ever heard from you. You know, they may not mm-hmm. remember your first name, but they'll be like, oh, yeah, the gecko guy. Yeah. And, um, and they'll remember you. And so that, that's the first step in advocacy. It's a, you know, it's a relationship thing. You know, all politics is local, and uh, you need to develop relationships with your local representatives. And uh, and then that that way, when something does happen, you can you can go to them and and uh, and get help from them. You know, it's a lot harder to do when the shit is hitting the fan right now, and they don't know you from anyone else, and now you need a favor from them. It's almost like every single state should have their own small advocacy group um, that could respond. So, Absolutely, um, and we know, do that. You, know? you remember what we did in, in uh, Pennsylvania last year and, and building those, uh, those, those small local mailing lists, you know, and, uh, and, and then using them to, to message to the, to the legislators, you know, that, that is, you know, that's kind of the next step, you know. You've got a number of people that are getting to know their, their uh, representatives, and, um, and they form a, a group. And, you know, when something does happen, they can all go in together. 
and they can all write letters together, and they can all make phone calls together. And it really, at the state level, it doesn't take that many. If you've got a dozen people that are willing to do that, then you've mm-hmm. got, uh, you know, and have, have made relationships and are willing to take action at the right time. That goes a long way at the state level. You can head off most stuff like that uh, at the state level if you're, if you're organized at that level. You know, and all mm-hmm. you need is about a dozen people. Well, I mean, as a as a private investigator, I worked as a PI since uh, since 2001. I haven't done it for the last couple of years. Um, during that time, I've made a lot of friends in law enforcement and uh, in other areas that I've been able to, you know, call upon and do favors for each other, so to speak. And you know, it's and I understand what you're saying about forming these relationships, and and that's what it is. It's it's you're you're so right. It, it's you got to. You've got to humanize these people. They're not out of reach. They're not, you know, they're not computers. They're actual people just like you and I. And if you can relate to them on that level and get to know them, even, even if it's, like you said, just so they know that you're the snake guy or you're the lizard guy, the gecko guy, it, it, it yeah. will make a difference. And they, they, will, rem- yeah. they will remember you. That, that Pennsylvania uh, group you, you talked about, what did they call? Well, there, there, there is a Pennsylvania group um, that is called uh, PARC, uh, P-A-A-R-K, if they're still together, if they haven't fallen apart, Pennsylvania ARC. And um, I, um, I, I put up the money for them to uh, get incorporated and uh, get off the ground and start working as an advocacy group um you know i guess it's been about two years ago now and um whether they're still active um i don't know but you don't necessarily have to have an incorporated group all you got to do is have a mailing list and you know um and uh you know maybe a hundred people on your mailing list and a dozen or so that are really working hard to create relationships and and um, and do what needs to be done when the when the time comes. But uh, I think you're going to see some uh, some dangerous animal legislation in Pennsylvania uh, this year. Um, I don't think it will affect um, uh, leopard geckos, but I think it will affect a lot of other stuff. Like what? Probably something very similar to um, what ha- happened in Ohio. Uh, in uh, 2012. Okay. Oh boy. All right. You think maybe um, off the air later or tomorrow, sometime, Andrew, you maybe you can dig up some of those contacts in Pennsylvania. Maybe I can get in touch with them and see if they're still active. Sure. Okay. Um, sure. Well, everybody, as you, from what you heard from Andrew, I hope you guys take this seriously so far uh, into our interview. Um, Start, start doing something. Um, you know, I, I guess we can't depend on, you know, the big groups to always have, you know, the small hobbyists' best interest in mind because, you know, it's not always just about us. There's bigger things at stake for them. Um, you know, they, their interests may not always be our interests. And um, so, you know, it's, we, we're going to have to take things into our own hands. And I think that there's a big problem in this in this country today where people feel powerless they don't feel like their voice matters anymore and they feel like things are out of their control and 
and and that's got to change because the thing about that is the thing about that is your voice does matter if you use it, but your voice doesn't mm-hmm. matter a bit if you stay at home and complain about not having a voice because you're not using it. You mm-hmm. know, so uh, it, it, you know, sitting on the couch and bitching to your wife or complaining <laughs> on one of the forums or Facebook or something like that. That doesn't count as a voice, okay? No. If you want to have a voice no. in what's going on in the, you know, the, the, the political process, then you're going to have to write some letters, make some phone calls, make yourself known, and, and, and let your representatives know where you stand on these issues. If you mm-hmm. don't do that, you won't have a voice. That's for sure. If you do do that, everybody can make a difference. You know, when I first started in this... Everybody was like, oh, you're gonna, you know, what, what are you going to do? How are we going to make a difference? We don't, you know, we're not big enough. We don't have enough money. And in 2008, when they were trying to add all kinds of animals to the injurious wildlife list to the Lacey Act, it was a bill called H.R. 669 in the House Natural Resources Committee. And I generated, I helped facilitate over 50,000 handwritten letters that we took in literally by wheelbarrow into the the uh, committee hearing in Washington D.C. and each one of those people's voice counted, fifty thousand letters. If everybody had just said, "Oh, my voice doesn't matter, my voice doesn't count," we would not have been able to come up with fifty thousand letters. It was the yeah. biggest handwritten letter writing campaign in three decades on the Hill on any issue, on any issue. Mm-hmm. Wow. See, and, and you've made these connections over the years. See, that's, that's the most important thing about you, Andrew, is, you know, you've already got solid friendships and solid acquaintanceships, I guess you would call it, um, with these people that are important to this type of thing. And, you know, to lose you and to lose that is an incredible loss, in my opinion, and to many others' opinions. Um, this new job that you have is going to focus on the individual. So how is it going to work? Like, uh, like, would it be like a particular business that's getting pressure from a local level goes to you for help? Uh, pick it, it, you know, it depends. You know, um, businesses, trade associations, um, that type of thing. You know, the pertinent trade associations could hire me to, to um, you know, work on issues for them. You know, the guy, the guy that I'm working for now at Vitello Consulting. He's, mm-hmm. he's, been, uh, he's been my Washington consultant for years. <laughs> and, um, and then he asked me if I wanted to go to work for him. And, mm-hmm. and I said yes. So, I mean, it sounds um, like a terrific opportunity. Yeah, but, you know, so we, you know, I can do, I can do, I can do um, uh, work for anyone. You know, I could do work for the trade associations, um, but I'm I'm thinking that uh, that their egos probably won't uh, allow that. But um, it would be their best shot of making it. Wow! So you're saying that uh, PJAC or USR could literally gain you as a consultant to go in and take care of these things the right way, and just you know have the best shot at getting our uh, our agenda is done. If they wanted to, the they, right could, way. they certainly could. Wow. 
well, maybe we can, maybe us in the reptile community can try to put together some type of movement to to push for something like that. I don't know. I mean, we can try. It, it won't hurt. Um, yeah. I, you know, I'm I'm just trying. When I see when I see like petty bickering on Facebook and stuff, I literally put my head in my hands and I think of these bigger problems. That's the first thing that hits my mind. <laughs> is I think about, you know, what if next year some band comes and you know. And that's it. And and I and I and it's like, I, I can't even. I don't know. I don't even have the energy anymore to argue with people that are going back and forth over nonsense because it's 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 it's. it's, I, it's I, I don't even have words on Facebook, you know, or oh. on these forums, you know. It's just ridiculous. Oh, it's such a waste of energy. If that same energy was put towards positive things or put towards you know the the real important matters, we would we would be unstoppable. We would have we would have the security right now to know that this this thing that we all love is safe. If, if all that negative energy that's hitting back and forth between all these people, all these egos bouncing each other back and forth, was directed in the right way, we wouldn't have any yep. of these issues. I, I'm confident of that. Yeah, well, I, I agree. When um, we've got enough people um, and enough money um, and this industry that we could, I mean, you know, one thing I did was I established uh, to the world that um, this is a $1.2 billion industry. There's $1.2 billion in commerce being done every year in the reptile industry, and that's conservatively, you know, and that was Mm -hmm. also, you know, that was a, a report that was published in 2011 and so it was based on two th- basically based on 2010, and um, so uh, you know I don't know exactly what has transpired, but that's that's three years ago, you know. But uh, it was a, a 1.2 billion dollar industry at the time, which is not huge. I mean, there's companies out there that are bigger than that, but that's a significant mm-hmm. cottage, you know. And um, mm-hmm. and and people started taking notice of us. You know, and mm-hmm. we were able to, to give, um, you know, uh, a strong message in a concise way and back it up with a, a lot of grassroots, with a lot of bodies and phone calls and letters and stuff. And so we were able to do a lot because of the power of our grassroots that made up for some of the fact that we didn't have the big money to throw at things like, you know, bigger industries do, like, the, you know, the cattlemen can spend, you know, millions of dollars in, in advocacy um, every mm-hmm. year. They're not going to get the grassroots turnout that we can get with uh, the passion in the reptile industry, but they can turn out a lot of dollars. But we were able to do a lot of things on a shoestring because the grassroots was so good. But now everything mm-hmm. is falling in disarray that, you know, um, that there, there basically is no grassroots anymore. Oh, boy. Well, you know, the way I see the industry is, I see it growing. I mean, I, I I get more people involved in geckos every day. I I can just see it on my YouTube channel. Sure. You know, I mean, so I know it's and the growing. more people you get that are outside of the current loop. You know what I mean? The newcomers coming mm-hmm. in that really grows. You know. Mhm. I mean, a lot of these new people don't have any idea of these problems that we face. Yeah. They, you know, it's uh, yeah. It's not. It's not even a thought in their mind. Um. And yeah, it's and a lot of people, people that were already them. in it. I'd say the majority of people in reptiles 
that were already in it too. They don't have any idea. You know, mm-hmm. there's it's a there's about there's a circle of about twenty thousand people in the United States who are paying fairly close attention to this stuff that they're aware that this stuff is going on. Um, mm-hmm. But outside of that, there people are not paying that close attention. They you know there's a, there's reptiles in what like thirteen million homes in the U.S. But mm-hmm. um, but you know only about twenty thousand people are paying attention. And so, you know, one of the things that we got into was we kept messaging and talking to those same 20,000 people. Well, they already knew, you know, and to try and get outside of that and bring more people in and get more people educated as to what's going on and try and get them to to take part in what we were doing, um, you know, that was that was the challenge. And when we did the thing with the letter writing campaign, you know, people were going into their works and they were getting they were getting their their coworkers to sign these letters and their family members and and that's why we ended up with um 1000 letters um it, it's not like there was 50,000 individuals that were active in the industry um that wrote those letters they were getting you know friends family members coworkers all that kind of stuff which is all good that's the way it's supposed to work you know if we could get uh, if we could get a base of 100,000 people that did stuff like that and magnify it, you know, up to uh, uh, three or four hundred thousand people when we needed to, you know, we could we could overcome most issues with our grassroots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Steve, jump in. I'm just I'm shocked. I know. <laughs> I, really am. I know. I'm shocked. I, I, and I and I and I. Know. I, I I'm really, I, I try to spread the word, you know, it was my thing for a long time, spread the word. And I started chain, chain videos, you know, at the time, U.S. Arc, and then you make a U.S. Arc video, ask your viewers to make a U.S. Arc video, you know, and send it on. And, and I did the same thing with the letters I had, I must've mailed 50 myself. And I took letters that I, I printed out, had people sign them said don't worry about the postage i'll pay for it you know and so you were you were you were, in, you were in on that back in 2008 then right yeah yeah right. Good and, job. and and i've been i've that was been our trying to hour. But quite frankly that was our finest hour and that was when we were really just first getting into it <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know i mean I, i'm kind of crushed at the same time you know and i mean you're a hero for me andrew i mean you really are and I think for a lot of people, for everything Absolutely. you've done, it's just it's it's heartbreaking. <laughs> it is. Well, I'm not going it anywhere. Really I'm just working in a little different capacity now. All right, but we we need we need to come together. The, the bottom line is we all need to come together here. That's that's the that's the that's the whole thing, guys. Everyone that's listening to my voice right now. Um, Everybody that's going to download this episode, it doesn't matter what you, what you, how you feel about that other breeder or that other guy's business, or you know, it, it doesn't matter because we're not going to have it. You want to have the luxury so, to hate them tomorrow. <laughs> I like I like that saying. I, you know, I, I try I meditate every day, Andrew. I try to keep my mind uh, free of negative thoughts. I do. I really try hard. Um, but it's hard. They they pull you in sometimes. No, it's gotta, really sometimes do. you got to laugh, though. You know what I mean? Sometimes you got to have a little fun with it and laugh. And 
you know, make a joke out of it. Otherwise, you're just going to cry. <laughs> well, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of through the crying phase. <laughs> I'm done with that. Kind of glad I. Uh, I'm kind of glad I got into geckos. Yeah, well, Steve, Steve's <laughs> crying now. We got to get. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> so I, uh, I, I love like my I love my face. snakes. So. Yeah. Yeah, wow. you know yeah. The, the ones that are the ones that are going to fall onto that short list of animals that are coveted by the um, you know uh, big pets is uh, uh, leopard geckos, crested geckos. Um, king snakes, horn snakes, um, uh, uh, things like that. Bearded, Bearded dragons. dragons are safe. Yeah, yeah. and um, mm. you know those are those are going to be the kinds of things to go onto the short list. You know, um, uh, green tree monitors or um, some some kind of. Uh, uh, rare frog or, um, you know, um, uh, uh, Dominican um, uh, red, uh, uh, red mountain boas and stuff like that. Those are the ones that aren't going to make it on to the, the, the short list. And the, it could become a very, uh, if we're not careful, it could become a very monolithic industry overnight and be limited to just a very few uh, animals, and then what it's going to do is it's going to take all the hobby and interest out of it. It's all going to be just very cheap, easily manufactured or cheaply imported animals for sale in the pet trade that are practically like disposable animals. You know, uh, it's going mm-hmm. to, uh, in my opinion, the the whole hobby of working with the morphs and all that kind of stuff will will uh, disappear if we start to go down that road. Yep, that's it. That's exactly it. All right. Well, on the end of this end of the hour, Andrew um, wanted to do an hour show with us. Um, Steve, do you have any other further questions for Andrew before we uh, wrap things up? Uh, no. <laughs> like I said, everything I had was you know for advocacy. So, but I, I still want to thank you and you know. Thank you for everything you've done for us, and I'm sure we'll hear from you again. Anyways, I'm going to keep oh, following absolutely. you. Absolutely, and I would, uh, I would, I would urge everyone to uh, to follow my blog um, because if mm-hmm. you want to learn how to do advocacy, I'm going to be writing every week. My blog's published every Tuesday, and it's called The Last Word, and it's at mm-hmm. andreww1blog.wordpress.com. Andrew Wyatt or Andrew W one blog dot wordpress dot com and it's called the last word. Um you can go to the Herp Alliance Facebook page and you'll see it all over the uh the Herp Alliance Facebook page. Um and I think David's been sharing it, but uh if you want to find out what's going on and get the best information available uh uh on a weekly basis that's going to be the place to get it. And Andrew, one last thing. Uh, Exactly what is Herp Alliance going to be doing from now on? Conservation and education. Okay. All right. Cool. All right. Well, conservation through captive breeding. That's been our tagline for a long time, right? 
Exactly, exactly. I, just like Steve, I feel the same way. I want to thank you for everything that you do, everything you have done, and everything you're going to do in the future. And um, I think what we're going to work on is trying to uh, do what we can to try to unite people. I think that is the, the quickest way to our goal is to... I think that's a great idea. To, yeah, I'm going to do what I can. I don't know how successful I'll be, but I'm going to try. And I'm going to try to use my my uh, sphere of influence. Very to good. Same. Yeah. Positive, right, positive. Exactly, exactly. All right, um, Andrew, if you could get me those those Pennsylvania contacts in your time, I'd really appreciate that. Just um, e- email me and give me a reminder. Sure, definitely, absolutely. All right, Steve, do you want to stay on with me and talk for a little bit? Yeah. Okay. All right, Andrew, we're going to let you go. I really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on, and we hope to have you on again in the future with uh, positive stuff. How's that sound? For sure. I'd be happy to come back. Uh, uh, Thank you very much, David and uh, Steve, and uh, and we'll talk to you later. All right. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye now. All right, Steve. There it is. Oh, I'm I'm just, like I said, I'm crushed. (laughs) I can't believe it. I feel like like I'm naked in the field running around, you know? (laughs) <laughs> and there's there's, yeah, orcs, yeah. there's orcs and goblins chasing me. Yeah. <laughs> well, oh God, the a, a while back, a while back, you and I were talking about uh, starting an organization. Yeah, yeah I don't know if you were. remember that com- were... conversation. Uh, now might be oh, a good I, time. I remember. I I sent you a message saying that we are going to start. Uh, uh, a, herp, a herp society this year. I did. Yeah. I sent that message to you um, right after was, the new year. Yeah. Well, 2013 isn't over yet. Yeah. I said sometime. I said sometime this year. Well, I think we both got pretty busy with other things. <laughs> but. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. I think uh, we're going to get a lot busier. Yeah, we are. We are going to get busier. I. You see, here's the thing. And, and and Andrew, you know, I, I think Andrew has to be careful about what he says and stuff, and I can appreciate that because he's in, he's in high positions and stuff. Um, but the way I see things, and, of course, this is my opinion, uh, I believe that this industry would benefit greatly, greatly from having Andrew involved. And everybody has a difference with some... Right. Everybody has a difference with somebody out there, Okay. But if aliens are coming to invade the planet and kill everybody, you best believe that enemy of yours today is going to be standing there fighting alongside you. And that's kind of like what's going to be happening to us, all right? Um, Outside forces are going to be attacking the very thing that we love most, okay? And these so-called enemies and these so-called people that, you know, you hate and I don't even hate I don't hate any of them. I, I see it for what it is. I see the big picture. And, uh, you know, for those of you people out there that are listening to me that don't see the big picture, all right, wake up. Please wake up and understand that it's not about ego. It's not about, you know, who did what, said what about who, who messed up, who, we're all human beings. We're not perfect, okay? But we're going to lose this. We are, we are so going to lose it. And you got to tell somebody. It. You got to spread the word, and you got to spread the word, and you got to try to tell some, and, and you got to the next person that you get involved in this after they're happy about getting their first gecko, then you got to scare the hell out of them, and you got to say, well, guess what, you might <laughs> lose that gecko now, 
you know, and and it's it's true. Yeah, but you got to do it. Um, you got to get others but, involved, and then you got to scare them. <laughs> right? Oh yeah. I, I guess. I, the the whole time, Dave, uh, that I I you know did my spread the word thing, I I had so many people say, oh, they're never gonna ban a ball python, they're never gonna ban a boa, but so they don't participate. You know, that's their excuse. Well, they're never going to do that. And But there's a chance. We all yeah. need to well, just per- get involved. If, even if you, exactly. And even if you don't like boas or anacondas, it's not about that. Because once the whole point yeah. of getting those big snakes on the list is to make it easier to chip away at the other ones. So, yeah, if they, take, if they get to the yeah. point where they ban boas, Ball pythons are good. Like Andrew said, it's going to be a sure win. All right, let's add ball pythons to the list now. And there goes, there yep. goes the whole ball python market. I mean, it, yep. oh, man, it's so simple to think about, you know. And, and when you become more enlightened and you, and you understand human nature, it's so easy to put the ego aside for the better, better of all. I mean, it's so easy to put the nonsense and the, the fighting and the petty differences aside for the for the big picture um some people have a really hard time doing that it's and it's very unfortunate and i think that's some people are more enlightened than others and i don't know i don't even know what to say man you know i i i I gotta go meditate that's what i gotta do (laughs) oh steve what are we gonna do man what are we gonna do uh i don't know I got to start a group here, I guess. There's nothing in central New York whatsoever as far as a herb society or anything. There's one way up in Buffalo, and that's three hours away. That's the closest place I could go and, you know, in, into an organization of some kind. Mm-hmm. Over the rest of the way, as far as I know, there's nothing around here. The last one that was near me had closed and there's been nothing since I think 2009 or two, 2010 on, on that Herb Society at all mm-hmm. and that's wow. that's what I think I need to do is get going on uh, get a group together and I mean New York has one of the strictest bands already does it yeah, it does. I mean, all the all the larger constrictors, the, the biggest you can get, I believe, is is a boa constrictor. You know, you can get carpet mm-hmm. pythons and and that kind of stuff. But uh, but um, yeah, all the larger constrictors were banned. I think ninety five, ninety six, they were banned way back then. So right, we were hit a long time ago. And a lot of people in New York, because I I wear my t shirts all the time that that say what I do. And they asked me about getting a Burmese python. I'm like, you do know that they're banned, right? They are. You know, a lot of people have no clue what's going on. I mean, they really don't Mm. have a clue. That's a problem. That's a big problem. Yeah. That's probably the biggest problem. Well, they're distracting us with with nonsense. They're distracting us with... With uh, you know, I don't watch television, and I stopped watching TV. I think about three or four years ago, because I woke up and I realized exactly what it was about. And it's basically a distraction to program you to watch stupid things, buy stupid products, and then the people controlling everything 
get their agendas done while you're distracted with nonsense. And that's exactly what it is. So, yeah, I'll watch The Walking Dead. I'll take that. But that's it. I, I won't sit through commercials and stuff like that. <laughs> well, um, well, my wife, my wife argued that argued against me on that when I canceled the cable and she came home and there was no TV. So. <laughs> so, oh, so you got your whole family I, I, off TV, Steve? Yeah. I mean, we watched, oh, cool. we watched, we watched The Walking Dead and Sons of Anarchy. That's it. That's all. That's, <laughs> that's awesome. the only TV we watch. Wow. That's Do you know it. how much smarter and <laughs> you, how much, you know, how much smarter and more enlightened your kids are going to be because of that? They're not going to be these television zombies, you know, that you see walking around. Oh, yeah. And um, creative. Creative, yeah. yes. You guys, that's I why did, your videos are so good. And, my daughter yeah. is so creative. Yeah. You know, and I, so I, I grew up, there was hardly any TV. I was outside all the time. <laughs> so, Me too. You know, I was outside, Me too. outside making a fort or catching snakes and, you know, it wasn't, uh, I, you know, there wasn't anything to watch on TV, you know, when I was I a kid. When I, I know. When I was a kid, I was so in shape. I didn't have an ounce of fat on me. I used to ride my bike 20 miles a day. I had a I had a nice uh, mongoose, a real mongoose, not the cheap ones they make today, a real one. And I had a Redline BMX bike. Oh, man, I was all over oh, the place. Yeah. Oh, I was fishing. Every day I was fishing. Yeah, I taught myself how to fish. I didn't. Even, nobody taught me how to fish. I, my father was always working every day. He wasn't even around. Um, I had to teach myself everything. And I did. Yeah, I, I I used to go with my dad, but but you know every every day all summer long there's a creek like I don't know a mile away from my house. I'd just ride my bike right there and I'd be there all day long. Yep, <laughs> I remember. I remember those kind of days too, man. Looking for bullfrogs and stuff in the creeks. I, I used to do it, flipping all the rocks. Oh, yeah. I used to know where I used to know where certain toads used to hang out under certain rocks. I used to leave them there, and they'd always go back to their own little home. And uh, I knew yeah. I, I would I would be able to be, I would say I would bring friends of mine. I say, yo, I'm going to take you to this place, and you're going to see some toads. And these guys, you know, some of them were city guys. They like toads. What are you talking about? <laughs> when I when I put the rocks over, they're like, "Oh my God, that's so cool," you know. Yeah. Wow. Well, what, what's uh, you know? I'm not. I'm not so. I'll be, between me and you, Steve, I'm not so against um, the mass importation of these poor animals the way it's done right now. Um, the, you know, I think like five or ten percent actually survive uh, the importation process, and um, you know, I'm more for captive breeding and. Um, of wild same, of wild animals here. and, yep, and same, you know I, I see the guys at the shows that have all that wild caught stuff and they, I cringe because you know a lot of them they don't look too healthy they look like they're on their last leg they just got there you know they're dehydrated they're skinny it's sad um, it's definitely not my cup of tea I, I, I envision a day where there's people out there that are interested in all these species and we can get good. Just like like Glenn is saying in the chat room, we can good get good captive breeding programs going. Um, and if there's yeah. like an organized effort, plus, plus uh, they're they're got you know they're wiping them out in the wild too. You know certain exactly. species. We're losing them. That's right. Yeah, we're yeah. losing a lot of the rainforest stuff. If, stuff is if going. We're not if, if we're not importing them. 
were taking their their habitat. Yeah. You know, so exactly. either way, you're still losing them in the wild. But you should yeah. just leave them there. We ha- we have enough here. You know, pri- you know, for most of the species that you know are are big in in the trade, there's enough here. <laughs> there's there enough. is now. I believe there is. Yeah. Yes. I'll tell you, if that were, to, if those things were to happen, I mean, Andrew says that things would go down to, to really cheap. I don't know. I'm thinking that anybody breeding leopard geckos, you know, is going to make a lot of money. <laughs> the way I see it, I don't know. But uh, I mean, that's <laughs> that's not something, that's not something, that's not a way that I'd like to make money. You know, I wouldn't want that to happen. Um, no. It, it's not, you know, it's not. Doesn't seem like a good karma, karma way to make your money. No, I, I, I hope they don't go as far as ball pythons because, you know, that's, you know, I've been wanting to, you know, do this for so long and I've been doing it for so long. And, you know, just just as pets, I've had ball pythons for, as pets, probably close to 20 years, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, and I'm, I'm new, really, I'm, I think 2007 was the first year I started breeding, 2008, somewhere in there. And, you know, and, and it really got me hooked. I didn't want, I wasn't planning on breeding. I just, I hatched, I wanted an albino, and the only way I could get one was to buy two hats. I bred them, hatched it, and got hooked. <laughs> just by mm-hmm. seeing, seeing the head pop out of that egg, and, and it was an albino, I was hooked instantly. Uh, yep. um, you know, breed, breeding. It did it for me. Mm-hmm. That's a quite, so that's hate, quite an I'd, accomplishment, I'd, too. Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I have never, know. I've never bred ball pythons yet. And, you know, I think I'm going to have that same feeling when I hatch out my leucistic from the, from the, 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 um, fires I have, the pair of fires. Oh, uh, and, and it never goes away. Every clutch gecko or snake you know it's it's the same you know what i mean it's like it's just i don't even know how to describe it how i feel when you know when a, a clutch hatches you know i'm just in awe and you know it's i love it it's a rush but, you know but you know what i'm so i understand yeah i'm so wrapped up with the geckos though I, like i said i think i'm going to send them out to you the, the fires for you to do I mean, a part of me wants to keep the, the, the ball pythons and everything, but I think they'd just be better off with you. Like, you'd be, I don't know, you'd be giving them more attention, I think. You know, we yeah. could work something out. If you, if you still want to work, do something like that together, like a project. Oh, yeah. I told you, I'll, I'm going to put them to, uh, put the male right away, you know, when he gets big enough to the to the blonde pastel, because I think that would be an okay. amazing, amazing hookup, and we'll just split it. Okay. Um, the male I have is an exceptional, exceptional Mike Wilbanks fire. Um, this is a cool-looking fire. I, it's a crazy pattern. Yeah, I saw I saw him a while back on one of your videos. He's real nice looking. Yeah, coolest fire i ever seen. In fact, I had a male already at the time, and I was cruising around on Mike's site at like 2 in the morning, and I seen this one. And I didn't need another male fire. But I, I was like, oh, my God, i got to grab this. And to this day, I've never seen another flyer that looks as cool as this one. So, you know, I got a good eye for spotting like unique stuff. How are those um, how are those uh, those dinkers doing? 
Good, good. Uh, one of them just went off feed about, I don't know, three weeks ago. And um, now she won't take any food, but it's getting to be cooler. And so I don't think I don't think either of them are going to be ready. I thought they would be because they're, they're both sitting at probably 1,100 grams right around there. They're good mm-hmm. size now. And um, the way they were eating, you know, I figured they would have been up the size. But uh, by the end of the season, they will be. But I'm going to wait wait until next year, and next year they'll definitely be breeding next year. And I really want to uh, – next year I'll have a, a pied male to put to the one that looks like a leopard because that's, that's the first one I wanted to put to it was a pied. <laughs> yeah. See, see what happens. Yeah, that's cool. It, yeah. Worst case, I'll have, you know, a bunch of hat pieds. And hopefully they'll mm-hmm. have that crazy pattern on them. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I picture that. I was thinking even that one as an albino. <clears throat> oh right? yeah, because it's really dark. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah, I, I think it would be like two shades of orange actually, because it's it's like a really dark black and then a dark brown. You know, it would be like I don't know. Like even if you bred that to a normal and then bred the babies to each other to see if that is an actual trait. Um, I think there's yeah. something going on with that snake. I, I think that's a trait in itself, Steve. You know? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, don't, I, mean, I mean, maybe the pride isn't the best move. Maybe a normal. Are, yeah, I don't know. Both of them look different, though. I mean, they do. Right. Hmm. I yeah, told you they that. Do. They definitely... And that one... Um, I've got one that almost looks like a yellow belly, but it doesn't have the belly to match, you know, like a normal yellow belly does. But um, mm-hmm. she hatched out crazy stuff this year, and I kept, I kept, I, I bred her to a lesser, and I kept some of the lessers off of that because they came out brighter colored. I just held on to them because I don't know what's going on yet until I can get another male back to her see what happens, you know, mm-hmm. one of her offspring back to her, and then I can really see what's going on and, you know, see if a, maybe a super form comes out. But, yeah. you know, I hope I have time. <laughs> right? I know. <laughs> you it's know? crazy. Yeah. And then I, I also, jump off yeah. the roof right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I want to cr- cry. <laughs> I know, I know. I gotta, I gotta laugh though because that's you know I gotta you know that's that's how I get through stuff laughter. <laughs> Jeez, you know I'm I'm thinking to myself right now like, what's it gonna be like five years from now? Um, I don't even know what our country is gonna be like five years from now, let alone the reptile industry. Uh, I worry about my kids. You know, Me too. I, I think, you know, I think of how it was when I was a kid or when we were kids because we're almost the same age, you know, and, and to now it's, you know, it's totally a whole nother world compared to that. And then, mm-hmm. you know, to think, think, you know, 20 years from now, where, where are my kids going to be? Are they going to have a job? Are they going to have food to eat? Are they, you know, what's going to, you know, what's going to, I want to be there to help them and protect them. And, you know, it's just, 
Yeah. Oh. I know. It's crazy. crazy times we're living in. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of our problems today in this country stem from the fact that people, uh, like I was saying, they don't have a, they don't feel like their voice matters, either that or I also believe that, you know, there's a bigger agenda going on. You know, I think a lot of uh, people are just chemically in a chemical coma, you know, where, where people need to realize that there's so many chemicals in our food, our water. I think they're basically dumbing us down. And I, I don't know. I think there's a big thing going on, but I don't know. I don't want to start go, going off into conspiracy talk. <laughs> I'm going to save that for my next radio show. <clears throat> yeah, guys, yeah. I'm thinking about starting another radio show based on um, just like supernatural type stuff, alternative health, um, kind of like Coast to Coast AM, but better than that show. I love Coast to Coast, by the way, but I think I could do it better than George Nori. I don't know. I'm just kidding. George is cool. But um, <laughs> just an idea. You're going to go on ghost hunts? That kind of stuff, too? Um, well, you know what? Let me tell you my feeling on ghosts. I feel that ghosts, they're, ghosts are just technology we don't understand. I think it's just, you know, we're seeing visions of spirits, but it's just dimension. So, you know, they're trying to come through somehow, but they're using technology on their end. I don't think it's like a mystical, you know, I don't know, experience. It's just technology we don't can't see or understand. Um, our senses are limited in so many ways. Um, you know, these things could be around us at all times, these different dimensions. Scientists, science has proven that. Um, so, you know, it's every once in a while, our, maybe our brain chemistry is in the right zone and we can see these things and, you know, we call them ghosts. But, you know, who knows? Maybe that's where our spirits go when our bodies expire and, you know, it's just completely normal. It's not supernatural. It's just natural and we just can't see it. So, you know, I, I kind of look at things that way. Um, yeah, I I got yeah, some ghost was, stories. So what, when you when you do your other show, I got some ghost stories. Well, maybe if we have time, we can do it <laughs> together. Um, we can put something together, Steve. You know, it's All right, be cool. fun. Yeah. All right. Well, I think Excellent. I'm going to either jump off the roof or I'm going to go meditate. One of the two. If I do jump off the roof, some of you guys will be hearing from my family, and you'll be getting some cool geckos. So, um, <laughs> um, but don't count on that just yet. I'm not checking out yet. We got we got to fight them. Come on, guys. Yeah. Oh, we got to fight. Yeah. Them. No one. No, and let's not just talk about it. Let's do something. Every state, no matter where you are right now, find out if there's people organized. Join them. If not, start your own thing. And that's what I'm going to start doing. Steve's going to do it. I'm going to do yep. it. I'm going to contact Andrew right now. I'm going to send an email and see if I can get in touch with those people out here by me. And if they're not doing it anymore, well, I guess I'm not going to have any time on my hands at all anymore. And follow so, Andrew's uh, The Last Word because he's going to tell you how to how to be an advocate. Yes, and, and please, people, the differences he had with others out there and the and the bs that is said about him is not true okay there is an effort out there to completely make him look ridiculous and people i would not support him if i felt that any of that stuff is true i only support the good people in this okay please understand that um and, and that's a shame I, I can't stand how that happens how like 
you know, like false negative accusations and things get spread. You know, people have differences all the time. It doesn't need to be public. And it doesn't need to be, you know, it, it just put out there in such a spiteful, immature way. If you have a difference with someone, take it up with that person. Don't hide behind your computer. You know, if you have a, and, and you know what? If it's an issue that you can't pick it up with them personally, then it is not that big of an issue. So get over it. You know what I mean? There's bigger things to worry about, everyone. Um, all right, that's my rant for tonight, I guess, too. All right, I got I to meditate, Deep. I'm going to go crazy. I'm all upset tonight. I'm not myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really not myself, dude. Oh, man. <laughs> yes, let's wrap it up. All right, Steve. I, I want to thank you for being my co-host tonight. Um, we've got to do it more often. Uh, don't let me monopolize the conversation. Jump in. Take over, please. You know? Um, I know it was your first time. I know it's your yeah, first time, so it's all, all new to me, so. I know, and I didn't know uh, if I should, you know, take over or not. I didn't know if you were nervous or what, so I just kind of kept talking. But I was cut me off. Ner- yeah, just nervous and shocked. So. <laughs> I know. I know, right? Crazy. All right, everybody in the chat room, thank you guys for being the cool, great people that you are. Everybody out in the Gecko Nation um, group, you guys are awesome, totally awesome. I love everybody in that group. That group is so cool. Oh, man, that that group gives me hope. There's, there's, there's camaraderie and just great things going on in that group that I've never seen before on Facebook. So keep it it's up, awesome. everybody. It is. All right, Steve, until... Sunday night. Sunday night, we have the James Bond girl of geckos coming on. Someone that is so awesome in Germany and Europe. Rebecca Hassler of Dragoon Gecko. I am going to post her promo video in about 10 minutes before I go meditate, and you guys can check out her awesome geckos. And she is just, she's her projects are just incredible. So I wish she was in the states, and you know, I'm, I'm sure she can get geckos here, but. Any of us will be lucky to have some of the stuff that she's working on. So uh, join us this upcoming Sunday. Uh, Rebecca Hassler from Dragoon Gecko. And Steve, I'll see you with the news on Sunday. I'll see you there. All right. Sounds good. All right, everybody. Uh, Until next time. Gecko Nation Radio signing off. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.